Hello everyone, I'm Sergeant Major of the Army Retired Dan Daly, and welcome to this edition of Soldier Today Podcast. Soldier Today Podcast is a product of the Non-Commissioned Officer and Soldier Programs Directorate at the Association of the United States Army. Soldier Today subjects focus on those topics that are relevant and needed by our soldiers and their families serving the regular Army, the Army National Guard, and the Army Reserve. Our newest discussion today is with the United States Army Forces Command. Headquartered at Fort Bragg, North Carolina, United States Army Forces Command consists of more than 750,000 active Army, U.S. Army Reserve, and Army National Guard soldiers. ForceCom is the largest United States Army command and provider of expeditionary, regionally engaged, campaign-capable land forces to combatant commanders. Its organizations are terrible to provide combatant commanders the required capabilities to be decisive across the range of military operations. We are honored to have with us today Command Sergeant Major Todd Sims, the Command Sergeant Major of the United States Army Forces Command. Sergeant Major Sims, thanks for joining us today, and we're glad to have you on the show. Happy to be here, SMA. Looking forward to it. Well, we appreciate your time, Sergeant Major, and we know it's valuable, but we know our listeners are eager to hear what Forces Command is doing for our great Army and our great nation. So let's jump right in. Sergeant Major Sims, I thought we'd begin by supporting the SMA. It's a tradition we have here at Soldier Today Podcast, and SMA Grinson has said time and time again, it's important to get to know the members of your squad. So could you share with us a little bit about yourself? Where'd you grow up and why'd you decide to become a soldier? I grew up in Panama City, Florida. It's really Panama City Beach, Florida. Went to high school there and I wanted to serve. I wanted to do something for our country. I enlisted first in the Army National Guard, and I did the delayed entry program. So for almost a whole year, I was doing drills. I just didn't go to the summer training. I did all the drills and all that stuff. And when I graduated high school, I went off to one-station unit training at Fort Benning, Georgia, and became an 11 Bravo. After that, my grandmother passed away, so my mom moved to a little small town called Sturgis, Kentucky. And I was like, well, I really don't want to leave Panama City Beach and go there. So I moved in with my dad in Danville, Virginia, with the goal of going to college. When I got up there, I started working. I did one semester, and I'm like, okay, maybe I uh, need to uh, see if I can go active duty. So I went down to the Army recruiter, and the only place they would send me was to Korea. And I'm like, well, I don't know if I want to go to Korea or not. But as I was walking out of the recruiting station there, I looked to my right. The recruiter for the Marine Corps was a friend of mine that I used to hang out with in Panama City. I was like, Craig, he said, Todd, how you doing? And this gunnery sergeant walks around the corner and he asked me if I had the guts to be a United States Marine. I was like, well, heck yeah, I do. The only thing is, can you get me out of a National Guard contract? And of course, the answer was yes. And two months later, I was at Paris Island, South Carolina. I didn't know I had to go back to basic and AIT again, but you know, there I went. I served four years honorably in the United States Marine Corps, deployed twice, met my wife, and had my first child. So probably around the 92 time frame when the Clinton drawdown was happening, didn't know I had to put a reenlistment package in six months prior to getting out. So I went to the Army recruiter when we got back from deployment and said, are you taking prior service? And they said yes. So I cleared the United States Marine Corps, and 27 days later, I was at Fort Campbell, Kentucky, where I started my Army career. I tell you, you know, I love the Brotherhood of the Marine Corps, but the Army has so much more opportunity, and I'm so glad that I made that decision to come back in. It's vaulted me all the way up to where I am today. So, I mean, the Army has done nothing but take great care of me. Well, Sarmie, that's an incredible story. Thanks for sharing. What a journey from National Guard to the United States Army Marines, which we're proud to be brothers and sisters of, but the Army was blessed to get you in the end. So, Sergeant Major, let's jump in. From your perspective as NCO, and having served in a number of leadership positions throughout a great career, why is This Is My Squad so important, and how does it help the Army? 
This is my squad. It's something that I've always done since I've been a non-commissioned officer. I've been blessed to be in two branches of the service as a non-commissioned officer, but we wouldn't have an army without the soldier. And embracing this is my squad, it's really about taking care of your teammate. It's important that we give time to soldiers to actually be able to do this. This is my squad means just that. It's to get to know your soldiers in your squad and learn how they tick so you can take care of them. Really engage leaders who build cohesive teams. That soldier is in the middle, and that is their sole focus is to take care of that soldier. A couple years ago when SMA Grinston said this, the focus was the soldier taking care of that person. It's actually going very well now, and I'm looking forward to follow on questions about how well I see across Forcecom how it's going. Well, Sir Major, you hit it spot on. We got a bunch of follow-on questions because, you know, as our listeners heard, you have the largest command in the United States Army, 750,000 soldiers consisting of all three components at some time with a mission to train and ready these forces. So you're in touch with these soldiers all the time. And I know just recently you're out at Fort Bliss talking to soldiers, but as you make your travels, what have you heard from the soldiers? What are the soldiers saying about this initiative? So what I've really seen and heard from the soldiers over the past year, it's becoming more and more positive each and every month as each and every month go by. There's so many stories I can tell, but I, I think I'll stick with, uh, with one. So early on, when I first took over, I went to visit Fort Campbell, of course, and I was visiting the 126 Infantry. It was right before block leave, and a new soldier had come in. The soldier came from basic training, and he did not have the opportunity to take leave. Other folks in his squad actually got to take leave. I went there after and got to do physical training with them. It was amazing. Not only did that soldier stay back and do PT, one of his buddies who went on leave went home and didn't do PT. So you can always tell when you do a run, you do any type of physical activity, who's suffering. And that young man was pushing and pushing that effort. I had the opportunity at the end. I talked to the whole company while we were out there, and I asked that soldier, is it all right if I call your mom? And the soldier said, well, Roger, Sergeant Major. She didn't answer my phone, so we went into the little team room where all the soldiers had their phone, and we used his phone and called his mother. And, you know, I thanked his mother for letting him join the Army, but I also told him what a great job he did that morning. And I told her how the non-commissioned officers in that formation were taking care of her son. But what was really cool is when, when I did that, that team leader and that squad leader and that platoon sergeant took notice. And a week later, that soldier's father called me and thanked me for what I did. Because not only, you know, they heard from the force comm sergeant major, but they heard that everybody in that soldier's chain of command had called and introduced themselves and said, if you ever need anything, you can reach out. But it's like that across forces command right now. And it's actually very good to watch soldiers learning about each other. But if there's a problem, they know there's a problem and they can attack that problem and fix it. Sergeant Major, thanks for sharing that story. And it really tells the importance of this is my squad and the connection that we have with our soldiers they're our family, and we train them, and we ready them for hopefully never having the fight. But when they do, they're going to be ready. But also, we care about them like they're our own. So incredible stories. But talking about readiness, Sergeant Major, ForceCom is charged with the readiness of the Army. That's your primary mission. So how do you place priorities or balance training and readiness while simultaneously putting the people first versus the modernizing the force? Now, we've heard about the people first task force, and it's important. But some people have had trouble deciphering what's more important. Can you help us out with that, Sergeant You know, an emphasis on people does not indicate a sacrifice to readiness. The two are really connected. So thinking about the problem set and actually going out and spending time with our units, you can see their focus on people is important, but they also know that the focusing on people is helping to build readiness. So case in point, like a first sergeant 
he or she is worried about the readiness of that soldier, i.e. dental readiness, medical readiness, et cetera, they're still getting after that. But they also think about putting people first to have a ready soldier. Hey, we need to be qualified. We're going to do the EIB, ESB, or EFMB, so they do all the tasks to get ready for that. It's really good to watch and see what our units are doing right now because the people in ForceCom is the number one priority. Inside that priority is readiness, and the readiness of our people means you know they're medically ready, they're physically ready, and all those things. But to watch what our formations are doing to get after that, it makes you feel good sitting from up in ForceCom headquarters and seeing that they are still producing readiness and taking care of people by putting people number one. It's interconnected. So, I mean, it's actually going very well, and I'm very pleased with our formations. Sergeant Major, thanks for laying that out. You know, I've heard people say, you know, what, what is it? Is it people or is it readiness or is it people versus readiness? And like you just said, people taking care of them equals readiness. And appreciate you laying that out for us. Sergeant Major, one of ForceCom's major initiatives to get after the people priority was the development of the foundational training days. Can you talk about what foundational training days are and what you hope units accomplish during this time? Yes, SMA. The foundational training day was a day, really, when you query the force and they ask, how can we make something better or how can we make sure that we're getting after people first? Commanders and sergeants major across the force said, you have to give us time. General Garrett directed, one day a month, you're going to focus on this. And it's a foundational training day. The main purpose behind it at the beginning was to ensure that our leaders were getting to know their soldiers. When it first started, we had some kind of directive things in there that they will do. But as it's matured, I'll use a case in point right here at Forces Command. So what we'll do is we'll do an event in the morning, i.e. physical training event or something of that nature. But we'll have specific groups throughout the day that we'll talk to the captains, we'll talk to the sergeants first class. It's all on a theme. It gets after sexual harassment, sexual assault. It gets after suicide. And it can go all the way up to the point where we're teaching people how to do financial management. There's so many avenues and so many ways that we can have that conversation with somebody if it has to be a tough conversation or if we're actually teaching them something. The point is, so when you're doing the foundation day, we're building the trust, but we're also, if there's time and we have a way, we can actually teach them something too. So if we teach them something that's meaningful, that means they're actually going to trust us as leaders a little bit better. That's just one example from what we do here in Forces Command. But across the Army, you have so many examples of what folks are doing. Like a lot of folks start with some kind of physical training. I think that's kind of the mantra is what it's been, or they'll play a sporting event. Sometimes it starts with physical training, or sometimes they'll do a sporting event. I've actually seen folks go to those outdoor adventure quest park things. They tie up on the ropes and then they do the high rope stuff, building trust and confidence in each other as a team. So it's limitless examples of what our folks are doing out there. And that's just a few of them. Yeah, it sounds like you're giving the chain of command down at the lower level, the creative authority to figure out how to integrate training, but also get to know their soldiers. What a phenomenal program, foundational training days. So, Major, I want to switch gears on you now and you know, we hear a lot about modernization from the chief, the secretary, the SMA. As we talked about, you got a big part of that. Can you talk about how the Army is modernizing the way it manages enlisted soldiers? We've had the same promotion system for over 40 years, and it's about time we changed. The officers do battalion commander assessment program and also the brigade commander assessment program, so BCAP and CCAP. So this year, we will actually do the star major assessment program. So they've run two pilots of this. But once the board results are released for our folks that are going to be CSL'd for a brigade, they're going to be asked to come to Fort Knox, Kentucky, and they're going to do a battery of tests. They're going to do a physical fitness assessment, and they're actually going to go sit to another assessment of a board. 
what it's going to do, it's going to give us the best talented person to actually be that brigade sergeant major. That's just one aspect. And as we fast forward to the next fiscal year, we should start seeing the battalion assessment as well. As you get all the way down to the sergeant, staff sergeant levels, we know it's the battalion sergeant major. He or she is responsible for making sergeants in our formation. So last year, through an LRAC, they, they put out some directed questions that we will ask our specialists going to sergeant and our sergeants going to staff sergeant. So I think over the past year, that's worked out very well. But also in that, we're looking at how we're going to use kind of a job book thing to actually say, these are the word task and battle drills that you have to accomplish each year. So in order to go to the board, they actually have had to complete all those worry task and battle drills before they even go to the board. And there's other specific things inside the outrack that the battalion sergeant major and the leaders have to do before that person appears before the board. But I'll tell you what it's done, it's actually made our soldiers get out there and get after those tasks that we always talk about. Did you do your war task and battle drills? Well, now, yeah, guess what? They did because in order to go to the board, they actually have had to have done them. So this should entail with more soldiers earning their EIB, their ESB, and also their EFMB. It's about time we've done some change, and I'm just proud that I've been a part of that change. So, I mean, it sounds like some great initiatives. Now, we have talked about this subject in many of Soldier Today podcasts. It comes up, and our listeners always want to hear about it, Sergeant Major. I'm going to throw this at you. You own a big part of this, and it's the ACFT. And you talked about fitness and readiness all throughout this, and we all know that's an important component. How's the ACFT going in Forces Command? How are we doing? I think we're doing great because over this past fiscal year, everybody had to take at least one ACFT. I've probably taken four or five, but that's all good. You know, we're up over to the 90 percentile of folks in Forces Command who have taken the ACFT. So this is in order to build that data so the RAND folks can turn that thing in so we can actually make this become a test for record. I've seen the culture since the words ACFT were muttered a few years back. I've seen it change the culture of our formation. So when you do physical training with a unit, it's not just right face double time march. There is a plan. A non-commissioned officer has a plan, and he or she leads the good PRT warm-up, and we actually do something that's meaningful that gets us ready for the rigors of sustained combat. It's amazing to watch. Just like the talent management piece, I'm happy to be a part of it, and Forces Command is doing a great job to ensure that we're actually taking the test and we're inputting that stuff into DTMS. Well, thanks, Army Major, for the update. And Force Command is doing a great job. And- deployed all throughout the world and training at home, ready for the next fight. So thanks for everything you do. So Sergeant Major Sims, it was a pleasure to have you with us today, and we hope you will come back and join us again. We know your time is limited, but I'd like to give you the last word. Do you have any final thoughts you'd like to provide our listeners? We talked a lot about This Is My Squad, building readiness and foundational training days and talent management. But just for everybody to know that Forces Command stands ready to ensure that we're providing the combatant commander with the best and the most well-trained soldiers to execute the fight, wherever that fight may be. So as we're sitting on the eve of stuff going on inside or outside of our country, I just have to give a big shout out to the 18th Airborne Corps and the 82nd Airborne Division for the outstanding job that they have done over the past couple of weeks. It's just, I'm so proud to watch. You know, we built the readiness for that unit and they were ready when our nation called. So if anybody needs a forces command unit, we'll ensure that unit's ready and we'll get them out the door in support of the combatant commander. Well, Sergeant Major, thanks for that great update. And ladies and gentlemen, unfortunately, our time has come to an end to close this edition of Soldier Today podcast. All of us here at the Association of the United States Army want to thank Command Sergeant Major Sims for joining us today and for sharing his story and giving us an important update on the United States Army Forces Command. As Army alums, I can say from all of us around the country, thank you and the entire Force Comm team for what you have done and all that you continue to do for our Army and this great nation. 
to all our listeners, thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the Army Matters podcast on iTunes and everywhere podcasts are found. The Army Matters podcast series is brought to you by the Association of the United States Army, the U.S. Army's professional association, member-supported, Army-connected. Visit us at AUSA.org for more information or to become a member. Your membership helps AUSA continue to carry out its mission to educate, inform, and connect with the total Army, our industry partners, and our supporters of a strong national defense. For questions or to provide topic recommendations, email us at podcast at AUSA.org. Have a great Army day. Hua.